Welcome, welcome, welcome to Museum Ghost Part 2 with the Boozy Musies. With me tonight is Halloween heroine Morgan Smith and sovereign of the spook Sarah Hickson. I'm drinking way too many whiskey sours, Sarah Goble. Tonight we are resurrecting our believability scale based on alcohol consumption. For each museum haunting, we will rate it on how many glasses of wine we would need to drink to believe it. As always, I wanted to give some trigger warnings before we start. Our conversations tonight will involve suicide, death, and assault. So if you struggle with any of those words or topics, please be wary moving forward. Are we ready, ladies? Yes. Yes. Morgan is eating enchiladas and therefore bleeding. I mean, I specifically swallowed before unmuting, so you're welcome that you don't get my crispy, cheesy ASMR. Or I'm sorry if that's what you're into. The first one I wanted to talk about tonight, and I don't remember which one of you, but one of you has been there, and it's the Whaley House Museum in San Diego, California. The story of the Whaley House is that it was built in 1857 by pioneer Thomas Whaley. It was their house. It was San Diego's first commercial theater. It was an early courthouse, and it also served as the Whaley General Mercantile Store. It was the first two-story brick building in San Diego, and now it is known as America's most haunted house. And the hauntings go back 150 years, even before the Whaley family lived in the building. One of only two California houses recognized by the U.S. Commerce Department as being haunted. I was reading reviews of this place. Basically, during the day, it's like a regular house museum. You go in, they give you a factual sheet. You like walk through and look at all the rooms, which are apparently blocked off with like plastic at the door. They do like keep the lights down to kind of make it like a spooky feeling. And then at night they do straight up ghost tours. There's a couple of ghosts who are supposed to haunt this museum. It's five different members of the Whaley family, including a baby, their daughter, Violet. I uh, have some reviews for you. One review was, I walked around the house hoping to have some sort of ghostly experience, but felt nothing until I went into the bedroom at the top of the stairs on the second floor, the one containing two beds. I didn't know anything about the room other than the information provided in the literature with some basic information about some of the items. The moment I took that corner to go into the room, I had an enormous feeling of despair and panic. It was so terrifying that I had to leave. As I was walking out the front door of the house, I told one of the docents what happened to me and asked about the history of that particular room. He explained that the Whaley's daughter, Violet, who attempted to kill herself in July 1885, was confined to that room under suicide watch during this exact time of year, 134 years ago. In August of that year, she took her father's gun, went out to the outhouse, and killed herself. Her theory as why so many of the family members remain had to do with early and tragic demise of the daughter, Violet. Some other experiences for I caught a face of a woman wearing a veil or scarf over her head in a room where Violet Whaley supposedly died. I also felt a tingling sensation on my right leg in the kitchen that's been said to have been the family cat or dog. 
So not only are the family members haunting the Whaley house, but also the family pets. I have some thoughts about the Whaley house. We should claim every museum is haunted. And the reason is if we get to keep the lights lower and lower the like foot candle, like lumens that the objects are getting because the lights are dimmer, this could work for us. It could help us preserve items longer. I feel like this is the beginning of a great museum conspiracy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I also think it's weird to work in a place where you can openly talk about it being haunted. Working and being a docent historic house where people are like routinely running out the front door, like, I felt the dog, I felt the dog. That's also odd to me. And then my third thought that I wrote down, I'm going to read this verbatim. So I did it like two weeks ago. Why do ghosts always have formal clothes on? I find the heads more likely. If I were a ghost, I would wear pajamas. Like, why are they always in formal clothing? Why can't they be dressed casual? Uh, I mean, I feel like the, I can't remember like the, the date, the dates like in time when the family lived in that house but it was definitely I think like of the era when you dressed formally all the time even if you were like at home so what was your experience in the house so it's been a really really long time since I was there I think I went in I think it was in like the ninth grade or things so it's been a very long time but Hold on, I have to burp, I think. <laughs> no, we're good. Um, I'm drinking beer and eating enchiladas. This is not good for podcasting. That's, you know, um, that's, that's definitely staying in there. You know that's happening. <laughs> it's fine. Let the people know who I truly am. Um, so, okay. But from what I remember... I, so we went on one of the night tours okay. because um, we we actually like flew into San Diego and um, you know since we're in the Midwest we gained a couple of hours and then like we went to dinner and like we were up really late I think it was like a 10 or something at night whenever we went on this like night tour so like I was very sleepy I fell asleep at the dinner table so um but I got a nap in before so I think that uh I I have a good experience um I remember it feeling like spooky but I think that could have just been like I mean, I was like 13 or 14 and I was tired and it was nighttime and they definitely for the nighttime tours, like play up the whole, like they, like they go into overdrive about talking about how the place is haunted. Like one of the tours, it wasn't the tour that I was on, but we actually heard another tour starting like the the docent literally started it with a jump scare like you just heard like someone roar and like a group of people scream and so I'm like they they purposefully tried to like create a creepy aura but I don't remember anything specifically happening that made me 
like actually feel like it was haunted since it was a courthouse I think that there was also like hanging grounds on one part of the house so that was creepy and I think it was like right next to like a cemetery or something like that so it added to like the creepy ambiance but if I'm being honest my young architecture nerd brain the two things that stick out most to me about that trip like 10 plus years later is how innovative the wallpaper was because it was an old house and the wallpaper was reflective so that it could bounce candlelight but those are pretty much my my thoughts on the Whaley house I don't yeah there was like way more I don't want to jump into the rating but (laughs) sorry there are way more reviews of like people who were disappointed that it wasn't haunted than like reviews of people who were like oh yeah I experienced something mm-hmm. well I was gonna say I think part of that too at least when I was there um they like stagger tours through there so like there's like a continual stream of people like going through and I feel like with so many like people bustling around like you're gonna be less inclined to like buy into the creepy like I could definitely see you being in that house with fewer people and feeling more unsettled but since there were so many people coming around like it I think it was hard to kind of put yourself in the headspace but like a lot of people really did die there and I do remember that also being kind of an unsettling thing because it's sad to hear like this poor family was just so unfortunate but I don't really remember feeling like oh god this there's like spirits we can we can go into the rating now because I really do feel like it the history of the house is unfortunate but the house has been so many different things it's been a courthouse it's been a theater like yada 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 and I just the experiences that people were reporting all seem very base level like the experience you would have if you were going into a historic home that's intentionally kept dark and intentionally made spooky it's nothing it's nothing unique and so like I think I would need to consume just a lot of alcohol before I would start to believe the stories. Hickson, do you have, do you have thoughts? I'm thinking maybe like two, two and a half glasses. Cause like, yeah, if they're specifically playing it up, then you're going to be a whole lot more inclined to believe that, that weird, like cold air that blew through the room is a ghost rather than it's an old house and like insulation isn't great window was open or something like that and maybe Morgan can comment on this but when, when I was reading is that they have like plastic locking a lot of the doors I like don't know how people would really get good looks at things or be by specific pieces of furniture that would make them have experiences so from what I remember not all of the rooms are blocked off so like you if I remember correctly like you could stand in the living room 
Um, and I think you could stand in like the dining room and the kitchen. I'm pretty sure the dining room was the one that had the really cool wallpaper. I, I can still vividly picture this wallpaper in my mind. It was like this beautiful, like red and silver damask wallpaper. And it was like, oh, refle- cool. it was, it was beautiful. It's a really pretty house, but the rooms that are blocked off, it's not like a full, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think it's like a full plastic thing because people still have to like get in and out of the rooms. It's kind of like those, you know, when you see kind of like the knee length high barricades that are like the clear plastic and they're just like in the doorway. So you can still like poke your head in and look around and you get a really good look in the room. And there are some rooms that you can walk through it's like the upper levels and like the smaller like individual people's bedrooms and stuff like that that are blocked off okay I can see how that would limit experiences as someone who has already been there and was there like slightly sleep deprived and still didn't really completely buy it I don't know this is like a two canner for me which by the way, for those keeping score at home, is a full bottle of wine. So, yeah, I don't know. It is a very, like, I would recommend if you're ever there going, just, like, if you're into, like, architecture or, like, historic houses and stuff, but I wouldn't really go specifically, like, expecting to feel something spooky because I didn't really get that. Okay, this is beside the point, and I'll probably have to cut this out, but Hickson, do you remember that book we read in book club where there was, like, that spooky or whatever manifesting mold in the wallpaper? That was the wallpaper in the house, and it was drawing Morgan in. Okay, first off, leave this in, because it's stupid and funny. <laughs> what book was this? I did not read this book. It's called this Mexican, after it left. Mexican Gothic. Ooh, was that book good? It I, it was, it's different than what I would normally read, but I mean, obviously it left an impact on me. A total like spoiler alert, but that, okay, then I won't tell you. I might, I would say I might read it. Don't tell me. Okay. Well, it's, you're already, what I'm saying is going to make sense when you start to read it. Um, oh. Basically the wallpaper does things to people. Like I want to go back and I want to reread it now that like I finished it because I feel like it would be different in my brain because like it didn't really click I couldn't like visualize what was going on until the end when it was like and you're like ah I spent the entire book just being like this can't get any weirder oh no it's just like a (laughs) like a yellow wallpaper situation we can't tell you too much because explaining. I mean, yeah, don't don't tell me. Well, like it'll ruin. But the wallpaper they reveal very early in the book that like the main character like sees stuff happening with the wallpaper, and so like I haven't spoiled it. But all right, are we ready for our next one? Yes. Yes. Our next one we're staying in California with the Sands. So we're going to San Francisco now from San Diego, the San Francisco Institute of Art, and they have a haunted bell tower, kind of like a mission style bell tower is how it's been described. It's over 150 years old 
in the first known incident of haunting occurred a long time ago in 1947. There was a night watchman who was also a student who later went on to become a professor at the Art Institute. And he decided to sleep in the bell tower to save some money, which relatable. So, <laughs> I mean, there's your first mistake. Like, yeah. if you sleep in a bell tower, you are asking for bad things to happen. So the, the very first night, his name was Bill Morehouse. The first night that Bill ever stayed in there, he heard footsteps and then they continued past. And so he went and opened the door because he's a watchman, like he's supposed to be guarding the premises. But there was no one there, but he still heard the footsteps going up toward the observation deck. Bill, instead of just giving it up and finding paying to sleep somewhere, the next night brought five of his friends with him. I'm like, you guys have to listen to this too. The same thing occurred. So they all heard the footsteps walking past and up the observation deck and there was no one on the actual stairs. Jump forward to 1962, another night watchman reported hearing women's laughter and seeing a woman in a blue dress. Good night watchman. He he like went to investigate this lady. She disappeared. Shoot forward. So that was 1962, 1968. They are remodeling the interior of the bell tower. The construction workers are reporting an evil presence in the tower, blamed it for a bunch of bad things that were happening in their lives, wrote down a list of things that the evil presence was charged with. Health issues, personal problems, a tragic family incident, a motorcycle accident, and a case of polio. (laughs) Apparently, (laughs) the ghosts was like the presence was so evil that it was causing them to make really expensive mistakes. There were several near fatal accident to the extent that like the project was behind months and months and months they just decided like the construction company was like we're out we're not doing this anymore and so there was even a time where a bunch of chairs and furniture were destroyed construction company just like straight up pieced out and was like i'm not having it and now the bell tower has been closed for seismic concerns air quotes unsafe seismically. There's also some other stories of the San Francisco Art Institute being haunted, one of which was a lecturer. He was walking through the school, turning off all the lights one night. He had all of the doors locked around him, like turned around to see lights on that he had, he knew he had turned off. And apparently this happened to many different people over the course of their time there. Some people reported that they would turn all of the lights off. And turn around and all of the lights would be back on. Oh, and then there was one ex-faculty member who was named Wally Hendrick. He said he was working late one night in the sculpture studio when suddenly all of the tools in the sculpture studio turned on. They have brought in several psychics over time that have done different seances and things. What they've come up with is the classic graveyard. So they identified the ground the bell tower was built on as a graveyard. That was apparently confirmed by a historian. 
but the story is that after the big San Francisco fire, the graveyard was no longer recognized as a graveyard, and that's when the tower was built. And so that's what's causing causing all of these evil spirits is the former graveyard. Thoughts? I can't get over like, oh God, I have polio. It must be the ghosts in the bell tower. What? What? Also, the entire time I was just like, Quasimodo. Like, <laughs> we we all know there's a hunchback in every bell tower. <laughs> and he's not giving people polio. What I immediately went to is last week we talked about the... Um, museum director who didn't want to leave and I was like this was for sure a lecturer that tried for so long to get tenure that they never did and so they just stayed on and are still trying to get tenure <laughs> and giving people folio yeah I just I, I just like I love to imagine that construction worker being like that son of a bitch bell tower is the reason my wife left me it's like, no, your life is garbage because you're garbage. It's not the haunted bell tower. Like, maybe you didn't use a blinker. I don't know. I was just confused because I wasn't confused. I was skeptical. Because the incident, like very few of the incidents described were things that had happened inside the tower. You know, it like, yes, furniture was broken, like, what whatever electrical construction equipment that they had back then jackhammers I don't know when those came around but would turn on and off on their own that stuff I can kind of see blaming the evil presence in the ghost tower the ghost tower the ghost tower for a motorcycle accident also it's like everything that happened was so terrible why isn't there more information like, if it was to the extent that they were, like, calling in psychics and having seances and stuff, I feel like those people would have sought out the construction workers. Also, this was 1968, so I'm sure there might have been some substances that may have been assisting. I also feel like the conclusion that, oh, all this is happening because you're on top of a graveyard is like I don't know that almost kind of it kind of feels like too easy of an answer at least it's not a Native American graveyard oh like some odd freaking pet cemetery shit that was a Native American graveyard thing right the Native American graveyard thing if anybody I don't know people are like Native American graveyard just like every family member like every family has the story of like Oh, my great great grandmother was a Native American princess. Like, no, big yikes! Yeah, so get out. I mean, I'm. I definitely like my grandpa is like you're a quarter Cherokee, and it's like no, I'm not. I look Aryan as shit. You're gonna tell me I'm Native American? Okay, so the the most believable. <laughs> thing of this entire story for me is that Bill Morehouse like the first guy who recorded his experience because a a student sleeping in the tower he probably was not telling people about that in the 40s and the fact that he like had experience and then immediately brought five of his buddies in to also spend the night like that's what I would have done I had 
experienced a haunting or whatever at work, I would definitely like call up like the girls and be like, guys, come over here. Tell me if I'm crazy. The fact that he later became a professor at the school makes me curious if like at what point did he report this story? It was this like a story he told students later when he was a professor or did he like report it then as well? Honestly, like this, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I buy the the one guy staying. What What year was that again? The forties. Nineteen forty seven. Okay, no, never mind. I was gonna be like, you know, I was thinking like sixties for some reason. I was like, you know, it was just high in that bell tower. All of the other ones were in the sixties. Like the construction workers were in the sixties. And so that's where I'm like, I wonder too, if it was just like creaky, Mm. like if it wasn't actually like footsteps that he was hearing, if it was like something else, cause like, well, if there are actual, actual seismic concerns, maybe the tower is not super stable in its foundation. And so it could have just absolutely been creaking in the wind or something right or it could be like sound traveling from I mean I get that this was like the middle of the night but a lot of time when I hear like footstep stories I think of the archive museum that I worked at in grad school like if you were down in the basement in the stacks there were certain parts of like the floor overhead that if someone was walking wearing heels you would hear footsteps in the stacks and it would sound like someone is walking up to you and like it freaks you out the first time it happens until you learn like oh it's just the way that like sound travels in this building. I think one of the best things about the bell tower the haunted bell tower is there's two we have two extremes right we have the Whaley house which people think is haunted and they're like okay historic house museum and at night we're gonna do the ghost tours and we're gonna jump like scare people and then you have the bell tower where they're just like no shutting it off no one's allowed in and it's like this huge conspiracy theory of are there seismic concerns or is it just too haunted can rate it I I don't buy it like, again, I'd have to be, to actually believe it, I would need to be, it, it's never going to happen. It doesn't matter how much alcohol I've had. But I feel like I would entertain the thoughts of this one after, like, two glasses of wine. Like, I would find the story of the night watchman later come professor, like, more entertaining and more reasonable. So... Yeah, a lot, a lot of alcohol from the Haunted Bell Tower as well. I mean, I mean, granted, I am already like a glass and a half in, so this is sounding like, yeah, okay, sure. But like, I too have heard like footsteps and like the fact that they were doing renovations and there was more activity that was being reported as apparently paranormal, like renovations are typically when activity ramps up because it's like you're disturbing their like hangout spot basically but granted you also don't know how much stuff they were on you don't know what they were smoking 
because they're construction workers. They were probably smoking something. Yeah, yeah, they were definitely smoking something. In 1968, even if they weren't the ones smoking it, they were unintentionally high. (laughs) It was just one big contact high. (laughs) There was a a fog and it just like, (laughs) it was fine. (laughs) That's not mist. It's cannabis. Um, I, so, like, I, on the one hand, the fact that they just, like, straight up shut it down is intriguing to me, and again, like, the whole, oh, like, seismic activity, like, I guess my, I mean, like, what makes any other part of the building more safe? Like, (laughs) The bell tower, I looked at some photographs and it is separate. Like it, it's a little way away from other buildings and it is taller than the rest of the I guess I guess I could see that then because that's like an area that does see quite a bit of like earthquake activity. Described as like a Spanish colonial bell tower. So if you're picturing like that style of architecture, like the bell tower is like very much the highest. Right. And also if it's like, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like I want to believe this one more than I want to believe the Whaley house merely because I haven't been there before. And so I don't have like that benchmark to base then like my opinions on it, but also like, I don't, I don't know, because, like, I also buy what Hickson's saying about, like, oh, increases in, like, activity happening because of construction, like, you're messing with their stuff, they're gonna get, like, more mad, but also some of the claims are just, like, stupid, like, I would buy it more if it was, like, oh, I tripped, and, like, something like that, but it's, like, I got polio because of the haunted bell tower, I don't buy that, so, I don't know, maybe this is, like, another, another two-canner. This is like an open, like open bar wedding. Like <laughs> you know, your best friend's open bar wedding. And then you're just too like you can't go to bed. And so you and your friends are sitting in the lobby just completely. Or like um oh uh, um never mind. <laughs> no, please tell well, us. Well, like I was gonna tell a story. It's not like an alcohol story, um, because it was like it. Is it a cannabis myth story? No, it was like, um, so my mom, basically long story short, this nursing home that my mom used to work at, they would have like 4th of July parties. And one year they had a snow cone truck and all the snow cones were free. And I was an absolute fucking heathen. And I was there like with my childhood best friend. And we just like kept going back and getting snow cones because they were free. Right. Like we were little assholes. Like we wouldn't even like eat all of it. It was like, oh, I want to try the dill pickle one. Like, um, but it's, it's uh the idea of like continually going back for more but like with alcohol that's why I was like never mind because this is stupid it only like makes sense in my head I'm more like like snow cones yeah I'm more likely to eat too many snow cones than I am to drink too much it was a upsetty spaghetti tummy night for us um yeah it's a lot of snow cones all right Hickson, do you want to do your story and then I'll wrap her up? Yeah. 
so I chose to look into the Ropes Mansion, which is owned and cared for by the Peabody Essex Museum uh, based in Salem, Massachusetts. It is probably most famously known as Allison's House in Hocus Pocus. I know, exciting. Um, it's a little bit of backstory. The Ropes Mansion was built in the late 1720s in Salem by Samuel Bernard. He lived in the house with his second and third wives of four marriages whatever dude um both of them yeah like second wife died married someone else she oh. also died and then married someone else i guess oh. i don't think she died in the mansion not um, like a combo marriage situation no no like a, like a were, um sister wives type deal yeah. <laughs> no they they were monogamous separate marriages but the second and third wives they died in the home mm. however there apparently are no accounts of them haunting the place things get interesting with the the ropes family which is why the mansion is named after them um, in 1768 a judge nathaniel ropes purchased the place from bernard's nephew ropes was a very wealthy but hugely unpopular person <laughs> and yet he was appointed to the superior court of judicature i don't know how to pronounce that word no nope. okay spell With it j-u-d-i-c-a-t-u-r-e judicature what i don't know spell that one more time <laughs> j-u D-I-C-A-T-U-R-E. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. Never mind. I know. Ju- That's why I was like, judicator. Sure. At first I thought, highest- you were, I thought you were spelling judiciary. And That's I was like, I'm not Hickson. Like, how much have you had to, like, to not, not enough. the word judiciary? No, see, that would have been fine. This is the weird ending is really what got me. But it was the highest court of the colony at the time. So that's what's most important here. Um, Forget my terrible pronunciation and just go with that. So Ropes had a daughter named Abigail, nicknamed Nabby, who is rumored to be seen most frequently in the home. She died there after accidentally catching her nightgown on fire in the fireplace which apparently was something that like wasn't uncommon in like the victorian era so this was 1839 (laughs) and obviously pre-stop drop and roll because she just caught on fire and was like ah this is the end i don't (laughs) i don't know um she just succumbed to death yeah, she, she died in that fire. Visitors say that they can hear her screams, which is terrifying. They see her ghost. Others claim they also see Nathaniel, who died of smallpox in the home. The, the daughter's ghost caused this on smallpox, like in the bell tower. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, previous caretakers claim they have seen Daniel Ropes. They have him like on camera. I don't know if it was a recording. I don't know if it was photographed, but they claim to have him on camera. There are random fires that apparently break out in the home that it's rumored to be uh, nabby. There was a fire in 2009 that they're questioning like how the hell it happened. 
and they're like, maybe it was Navi. Maybe Navi set the house on fire in 2009. Left her illegal, like, electric heater on. Yeah. I love how there's just, like, there's built-in cover for, like, an insurance fraud scheme here. Because they're just, like, like, someone just, like, made up this this story of her dying purely for, like, the long con of burning the house down one day and reaping the rewards. Oh my god. There's also reported icy touches and random whispers of disembodied voices that are heard in the gardens that some have reported back to a gardener from the 1940s-ish. And the the gardener at the time, he worked at the, the mansion until his death. So it could be like he just loved the gardens so much and he just wants to stay there forever. But those those are accounts of the Ropes Mansion in Salem. Huzzah. This is Allison's house from Hocus Pocus? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Like, what was her dress made out of? Oh, was she dipped in gasoline? <laughs> like, was she wearing... <laughs> Was she wearing vinyl? Like, does vi- is vinyl flammable? I don't know. Like, I think most things are flammable. I, I, not like frequently, but not infrequently, burn myself. Like on the oven, trying to start a fire in our fire pit. Like it happens, but I've never once came like close to lighting myself on fire so much that I couldn't put it out or would. Right. I- like it would have to be like whatever she was wearing would have had to go up in flames so fast so fast but also it would have had to go up in flames to the point that like she's engulfed and it doesn't Mm -hmm. burn away like it would have actually like I'm trying to understand how that would end in you smoke inhalation I I guess, but it, I mean, wasn't it when they used no. to people at the stake, especially in England, well, they died of smoke inhalation before they actually burned to death? But, but that would make more sense to me because, like, you build up a pyre and there'd be so much smoke enveloping you that that's why you die of smoke inhalation. But if it's just your dress and you're in like an open area, I wouldn't feel like the only thing that I can think is like maybe it was because people wore so many layers of clothing that it was hard to like get out before you Mm. were like burnt and it also could have been like she died as a result of burns because you know it's not like she could just go to a hospital and get like a skin graft at that point like she could have died from like complications resulting from rather than just like Mm. oh my skirt's on fire I guess I better die (laughs) like it could have also been murder that little brother who died of smallpox Oh, no, it was her dad. Oh, well, same thing. The family member that also haunts the museum, they just, it was murder. Murder by smallpox. (laughs) This is not polio. (laughs) Happy Indigenous People's Day. (laughs) Fuck Columbus. Okay, I'm going to rate this one lower. It's not that I believe it, but I do feel like 
a young woman dying very unexpectedly in a situation like her dress going up would maybe leave her with unfinished business. Like she's just so surprised to be dead that she doesn't really know she's dead. And so she just keeps hanging out. I still, still a lot, but less than the other ones. I feel like our answers for because we're like the naysayers our answers for all of this is like drunk and Hickson's like I don't know <laughs> have a little sip <laughs> and then, um, like, I, I would want to go and like experience just to see how much of it is more hype than than reality because even on like ghost tours ghost tours air quote that I've gone on in like say Colonial Williamsburg you know they're like oh like this building is supposed to be very haunted and it's like I was in that house earlier today and it I got no weird vibes there was no energy weirdness in the house I'm capturing nothing in any photographs I'm not seeing anything in windows to like maybe and I'm not like trying to like discredit someone's experience about what they felt when they were in the house but also it's safe to judge people here I feel like I I would just go myself I feel like I would just go because it's a house from Hocus Pocus Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like it would purely be a Hocus Pocus pilgrimage for me I do not care if it's haunted like I don't care if I catch on fire while I'm there I just want to be at the hocus pocus house you're gonna come back from the dead and start speaking french like the witches do oh god (laughs) i I mean at least i would accomplish like one of my language learning goals our last story tonight is a little dangerous for me to talk about i work for one and all majors we run two historic houses and one of them is the alexander majors house Alexander Majors, he was this kind of like frontier entrepreneur. He was one of the founders of the Pony Express, but his fortunes really went up and down very fast. He made a bunch of money and then lost a bunch of money and essentially died destitute. At the peak of his career in 1856, he built a huge house. He only lived in the house for two years before he eventually had to move to Oklahoma City because he lost all his money. And his daughter, Rebecca, and her husband took it over. And then it passed through a bunch of different people's hands until eventually the city came to own it. They wanted to tear down the house to use it as a school. And so they had it scheduled for demolition. And the person in charge of the demolition came in and basically had like a come to Jesus moment with them. The house was too sturdy. So even though the inside was super messed up, like it was going to be super expensive to tear this house down. Grab that plan. Major's great granddaughter, Louisa Johnson, stepped in and purchased the house in 1930. Louisa's goal was to like really honor her great granddad's legacy. She thought he played a really important role in U.S. history that people weren't really acknowledging at the time. She literally spent the rest of her life trying to get it to be a museum 
that was open to the public. She wrote to Congress trying to get it declared a U.S. national monument. At like one point, she was estimating that 25,000 people like a month would come and see it. So she was keeping everything, everything, everything relating to her great-grandfather and the history of the house and trying to raise money for the renovation. To the extent she was living in the house when it had been condemned. And at one point when she was living in the house, she fell and broke her hip, but was undeterred, continued to go up and down the stairs on her own with a broken hip. She passed away in 1979 without seeing the house like fully open to the public. So she really died without seeing this goal she worked on for 40, 50 years come to life. People think that Louisa Johnson is still in the house, Louisa Johnston, if you're going to pronounce the T. A few generations of staff ago, they were shutting down the major's house after an event. There was one volunteer and one staff member, and they had locked the house, made sure everyone was out, going around together, turning off the lights. They stepped out of the children's room, which is by one of the original staircases. And I saw a white woman crawling up the stairs, pulling herself up the stairs. And they showed them both. They both immediately rushed back into the room, looked at each other and were like, uh, <laughs> and then they stepped back out and the staircase was empty. And then there's some supporting evidence of Louisa continuing to haunt the house the house was added onto prior to Louisa buying it. One of the added on rooms, it was used as Louisa's office. And so we have Louisa's original typewriter in there and then a few of her desks, like desk instruments. There are stories of staff members and coming back, they'll shut down the museum, come back the next day, the stuff on Louisa's desk will have moved. Yeah, Alexander Major's house. Louisa Johnson, still wanting to see it open to the public, but never getting to. Yes, Morgan. I'm still hung up on the woman on the stairs. Right, okay. What the literal fuck? Louisa, (laughs) I was all for you being a ghost until you had to do some fucking hereditary shit. (laughs) Like, that sounds so crazy. Could you imagine just like seeing this person crawling up the stairs? Wait, okay, so can we establish by white? Were you saying like white as in Caucasian or as in like she dipped herself in white paint and was just white paint? I'm sorry, (laughs) but that got me. I see that's the thing. Really a big ghost. Like, I like ghost stories, but as we previously established, I don't really believe them. But, like, this story, for some reason, like, it bothers me. Yeah. Well, I think just because that is, like, so absolutely outlandish that, like, why would you make that up? And I think if anyone, I I feel like in all of these stories, I, like, try to consider... Because I've said before, I don't know how you choose to become a ghost or how you get stuck as a ghost or like what that situation is outside of Harry Potter. (laughs) 
if anyone was gonna choose to become a ghost and stay around, it would be Louisa because this woman was intense. Like she, she put her life into this house. She was a teacher and took out a loan with her piddly teacher salary moved into this decrepit home was determined for multiple decades to keep it open and then never got to see it open never but also knowing that she broke her hip and that's probably how she got up the stairs yeah was to have to crawl yeah but why was she painted white (laughs) she's a ghost morgan by law they have to be one color no I'm kidding (laughs) Uh, yeah I don't and people I'm trying to be careful because I still work in this place and I would like to continue to work there because I like it but we have the John Warnall house which is where I primarily work and I'm there a lot by myself like at night after dark whatever like I spent a lot of time there I've never felt anything. And we have like even volunteers who come in and they have experienced stuff. And I find like their experiences to be very credible. And I like believe that they have seen like what they think they have seen. But like people are always like, oh, like, do you have any ghost stories? Like, what have you experienced? I'm like, absolutely nothing. The major house, I don't know why. It just like creeps me out. Like it gives me the like heebie-jeebies. So, I mean, definitely if you gave me like two glasses of wine and put me in the major's house alone at night, like I'm going to buy Luai's story. Like I think this is probably the ghost story on the entire planet that I most believe in. Just because, I mean, I don't think death could have taken this woman down. I'm just trying to, like, reconcile the fact that, like, this is the first time that something that has been said in, like, either of these ghost podcasts, like, something that has been said actually chilled me. I don't know what it was. Something about the pasty woman crawling up the steps really does not set well with me. And the fact that you work there and, like, it's such a believable story, but then, like, you've never really experienced anything But that first night that I was working there, I don't know if it was like the situation of the night, which is that, and like another staff member was supposed to be there with me um, and they unfortunately were ill and couldn't come. And so I was there like my first time ever on the property alone by myself. And so I had to go and shut the house up by myself, like turn off all the lights. And I had had like however many people and some of them were still on the property and that kind of made me uncomfortable but it like I was bothered to the point that I called Tyler my husband and I was like hey I know you're on your way home from work can you just like come shut down this house with me and he's like what I'm like I literally just want you to walk me through like why I turn off the lights because I'm uncomfortable and so yeah I like don't I don't think I'm like taken to fancy and I don't like, I feel safe on that property. Like, I don't feel like I'm in danger or anything. But I right. did feel icky enough that I was like, I don't really want to be in there by myself. Now yeah. I don't have any problem being in there by myself. Like, I, it happens, but. I mean, she doesn't seem like the kind of spirit that would want to hurt anybody. So I 
I don't see why like you would feel like you were in danger, but just like the fact that there was something else there that you couldn't see, that you couldn't like describe really like what the feeling was. I think it really is like what Morgan was describing is for some reason like the story gets to me like even though I don't believe it I don't believe in ghosts like all of the other staff members know that there's just something about the story that just like sticks to you in a bad way yeah right and I mean like everybody has like those sorts of things like even even me who's like not a like a super super big believer like there are things I can pinpoint that I'm like that freaked me out and like I don't know just something about like I I don't this this to me is like the most believable one that we have talked about so far Mm -hmm. like something about it just doesn't sit right with me I feel like this is like a half can oh which is like a glass a fourth bottle of one yeah I think we're all around like a glass glass and a half and being like shit okay yeah I don't know it's just something about this one like doesn't like I said it doesn't say it does it it uh, it doesn't (laughs) you still like it I don't like it Uh uh-uh weird okay let's recap we started out tonight with the sands in California, the Whaley House Museum in San Diego, which is openly by the staff set to be haunted, but somehow we don't buy it, including the one person who's been there. We have the haunted bell tower, which while fun, we also don't believe. And we had the ropes mansion from Sarah Hickson, with lots of fire and flames and unexpected death and smallpox and what have you. But somehow, yet, none of us believe it. But then you wrap up with the Alexander Majors house in good old Kansas City, Kansas, our dear friend, Liza Johnston. We all, we all buy it for some strange reason. So She's creepy as hell. Because she dipped herself in paint. And threw herself on that freaking staircase. (laughs) I should do that. We're setting up for ghost tours on um, October 22nd. And I should totally bring an all white outfit. And then like scare the other Sarah setting up the stud with me. Like she comes out of the children's room. And I'm just like laying on the stairs like crawling up. Rude. But I want video. Like I want to see it. cameras but like knowing my luck I would try to prank her and then I would fall down the stairs and actually die and then (laughs) and then you'd break your hip and then you'd become a ghost yes so next month we're coming back for a topic to be announced later where I will hopefully not talk about places I work all right say good night ladies bye